0: Welcome rock and metal fans, coming to you from the barns of Amish country and pastures of cows are those two bad boys of rock and metal, B1 Bomb and the Smuts, bringing you the best rock and metal bands from the 80s and 90s and today, playing and discussing music from the featured bands with special guests, interviews, contests and more. So grab a beer and
1: turn it up, it's time for the Headbangers Vault.
0: Five, four,
2: three, two, one. Hey, this is the Headbangers Vault. I am the B1 Bomb. And I'm the Smuts. What's up, everyone? And tonight, Schmutz, we got a big guest.
1: Huge dream come true for me.
2: We got a Mr. Johnny D.
1: What's up, man?
2: How's it going?
1: I'm not that big. Believe me, I'm not that big. but Well, I, I, think, you, I think you are.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate it, guys. Nice to talk to you, man. How's it going? It's great. Going. Where are you calling us from? I'm in uh, Germany. I'm in a town called Fulda, which is about an hour from Frankfurt. Frankfurt's probably the closest, biggest city. Okay. okay. So it's uh, evening here. I'm six hours ahead of you guys, I think. Or Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it, man. So, Johnny, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I'm originally from the Philly suburbs, born and raised in a town called Contrahawk in Pennsylvania, and uh, grew up there, spent pretty much my whole life in that area, except for when I was touring, of course. But, you know, back in the 70s, you know, growing up, much different than today. But, uh right. for sure. Still a lot of killer music and uh not a lot of uh distractions like YouTube and all these kinds of things right. that you just <laughs> right. and waste a lot of time. we would go out as kids and just like spend the whole day outside, and not even parents wouldn't even know where you were and shit mm, yeah. like that yeah. back for dinner and uh <laughs> right, exactly. so that was it, you know, just like every other kid, and uh sure one day just started to really get into music and always wanted a drum kit and had a Mm -hmm. few starter kits and whatnot and learning to play during grade school high school you know battle of the bands Mm -hmm. jamming people's garages and basements and just Pretty much like every musician, you know, and then you find a few people that you can really start to gel with and start to improve yourself, and uh, that was kind mm-hmm. of it for me. I was hooked at yeah. that point, and, yeah, that's, you know, then you start playing locally around the city or, mm-hmm. you know, traveling around the tri-state area for us Philly guys. It was, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of Philly, uh, South Jersey, Delaware Mm -hmm. sort of gigs when i first started playing out it was a very lucrative kind of it's funny because there was a lot of bands that's similar to this tribute scene that's going on right now but Mm -hmm. there were more of the top 40 bands uh cover bands doing like one had a zeppelin show one did genesis one did new wave one did this and that and you know but at that time rock was top 40, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. So it was like all the stuff that you heard on the FM radio and liked, and, uh, you know, you go see bands playing this stuff. It was pretty much like, wow. You know, if you didn't get a concert in town of the band that you were into, you know, you had the next best thing. So that was, uh, the beginnings of of the club scene. And then somewhere around, I guess, early 80s it started to change a bit and became more of a original music scene you know so a lot more bands started doing their own stuff and trying to find places to play and doing whatever gigs we could do you know all ages shows at a roller rink or somebody's <laughs> barn that you rented out and stuff like that right. There wasn't a real big market for for original bands because everybody just wanted to see these cover bands so mm-hmm. uh, the scene kind of grew on its own and it eventually became what it was uh, the, at the biggest point probably in like 80 mid 80s when cinderella got signed and mm-hmm. you know eventually britney fox and a bunch of other bands so that's kind of the circle i traveled in get to where i was you know where i am now it wasn't like never moved to hollywood or did any kind of stuff like that didn't even move to new york city we just kind of burned around the philly area that's cool i
2: mean seriously yeah Yeah. johnny what was the first band that you were in that you started touring with
0: well touring outside of the area i had a, a real lucky break in 1985 i was uh reading kerrang magazine a lot at that time and really getting into mm-hmm. the new wave of british heavy metal and stuff like that and uh i was in a band called world war three which was a local band there was one other band that had a record out called with the same name they okay. were from la yeah the band i was in was uh really great but they just never uh, we only had a record out on a independent French Mm -hmm. label but we got into Kerrang! a couple times they wrote about the band and stuff Mm. like that so Mm. it was pretty cool because it was our first mention in a big magazine Mm -hmm. so anyway one day to make the story a bit shorter one day I was reading a blurb in the front of the magazine that said that Paul Chapman from UFO was looking for a keyboard player, guitar, rhythm guitarist. So I immediately thought of my friend Jimmy Delella and I brought the magazine to him and I said, dude, you got to like get in touch with this guy, you know, and there was no phone number, just an address. So he basically sent a letter in the mail to um, try to get an audition okay. with Down and Paul was living in Florida at the time. As luck would have it, he actually landed the gig and went down to Florida to play with Paul Chapman, and we awesome. were just mm-hmm. freaking out because we were huge UFO fans. All right. So eventually, Paul moved back to England, joined up with Pete Way in Wasted, and brought Jimmy over to play keyboards in that band. And then when their drummer mm-hmm didn't want to uh, continue Jimmy mentioned my name and they actually brought me over to play uh with them which was like a mind blower at that time because you know these guys didn't know me from Adam so it was like they took a big chance on an unknown guy and uh and I had like an in Helps to have and friends. next thing yes. you know, I'm <laughs> playing with two guys from UFO in England, and
1: that was the beginning of my touring oh, wow. recording. That's a good story, yeah. man. That's awesome.
2: How did you get started with Brittany Fox? Well, I kind of went full
0: around, you know. Wasted eventually did a record for EMI Capital. We went on tour. Uh, Steve Harris was a great friend of Pete Waste. He took the band under his wing. We went out on tour with Iron Maiden oh, wow. in Eastern Europe. And then in the States, we opened up on the uh, somewhere in time tour. So I kind of wow. got a, got my feet wet doing, you know, arenas and these big shows with these yeah. guys. I kind of cut my teeth with some professional people. Wow! And then meanwhile, Brittany Fox was kind of starting out back in my hometown, you know, mm-hmm. guys that I already knew they were sort of uh, doing their thing. And at one point, the original drummer, Tony Destra, uh, killed in a car crash, okay. really tragic accident, mm-hmm. just when the band was on the verge of getting a recording contract. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did call me at that time because I grew up with Billy Childs and uh, I knew Dean because I replaced him on drums in that band that I mentioned, World War Three. And Michael, I had met and we wanted to play together. So they actually asked me if I wanted to join the band at that time. But I, I was, you know, I wasn't going to leave a band that was playing on tour with Maiden to go back <laughs> yeah. to the Philly Club. Right. You know? Don't blame you. <laughs> so six more months on the road a lot had changed wasted kind of finished their tour and lost their record deal. Cause the album basically stiff. And I got another call from the guys saying that like, you know, we just got signed to Columbia and the drummer that we have, they don't really want to keep him in the band. They want us to get somebody new, you know, are you interested? And I was like, um, yeah, I'm not going to say no twice, you know? So the timing was better and, I ended up just going home, back to Philly, and just jamming with those guys. And then next thing you know, we were playing the last shows before we actually went in the studio to record the first
1: album. Wow! Mm. Yeah, I I love Brittany Fox. I mean, I just love Brittany Fox, man. (laughs) That's cool, man. That's great. (laughs) It's still
0: cool to hear, you know, because I'm just as fan as we all are, you know, of certain bands that are so passionate to to us or to me because of the time and the place that you were listening to them or for whatever. You know, I never um, get tired of hearing that somebody had a special moment or just yeah, a man. great memory about a time with the music they were listening to. Cause it's real important to all of us.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, oh, I can well tell said. you, I can tell you a story. My buddy told me, he's a huge Britney Fox fan and, uh, he played drums, you know, back in the day, you know, we'd etch, uh, you know, like band names on your drumsticks or whatever, you know, when you were young and uh, he had Britney Fox on there. Right. And his girlfriend came up to him and was like, Who's Britney? And he's like, Oh boy. He's like, uh, This rock band I like. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, Sure. Yeah. yeah. They're married now. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Well, I thought you'd like that story. Yeah. Thank God he got out of that one. Huh? <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, the name always brought some interesting comments, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: Brittany, how's she doing anyway? <laughs> yeah. You know, you hear right. stuff like that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, Johnny, the, the first two albums were awesome. And I don't say this a whole lot, you know. when I mean, I love Dean, but I'm telling you what, the third album I really yes. think was the best yeah, album. That was
2: my favorite, too. I mean, it kicked mm.
1: ass. Yes. I really think it was. I mean, just in my yeah, opinion, just, you know, wrong time kind of situation. Right. Well, I mean, yep. what do you think about yeah, on it all was, those albums? Um,
0: Which one was your favorite? Well, the first one, obviously, because it, uh, you know, it just was that special thing. It was mm-hmm. the first one and it was a great timing. We had the videos just blowing up on MTV mm-hmm, and the yeah. band, you know, that's kind of what, all the commotion started with, you know, so there's a special spot for that thing, of course, you know, Absolutely. and that was before any of the reality kind of sunk in about mm-hmm. like, you know, what the record business was and the competition that we faced and the struggles that we had, because, you know, once you have a certain amount of success, you have to either equal that or better it. And then, so getting signed, to a lot of people is always like the goal, you know, but right. really it's just the beginning <laughs> of another level of bullshit that you got <laughs> to deal right. with, you know? Yep. So I love the first album. Those songs are just raw and great anthems. And I always, you know, we'll never forget the first tours that we did and how uh-huh. much excitement there was, you know, it was just like coming out to a as a support band, you know, for Poison, for example, mm. to come out to a full arena of people that are basically waiting to see you. They know all the songs. It wasn't yeah. like a band that you come out and you're like trying to win an audience over cause they don't know who you are. You right. know? We, we were already popular cause of MTV and stuff and sold a lot of records. So it was like really cool to come out and be like, you know, have that, just that wave of audience output hit you, you know, like a shit ton of bricks, man. It was great, <laughs> but to go forward from there, I guess the second album kind of lost the momentum in a way. And there's some great tunes on there. The production is great, mm-hmm. you know. It was still things were going good, but there were also cracks appearing, and things were starting to go mm-hmm. a little bit haywire you know and in the end kind of reflected on the on the record sales we didn't get a big tour on that record, so it didn't sell nearly... That's a good record, too. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I love all three, yeah. really, but,
1: I mean, that's a good record, too. Yeah.
0: It was a, a bit of a letdown because, you know, we had basically so much success with the first one, mm-hmm. we thought that we could, like, just jump right back in and take it to the next level with the second one. Right. right. And when that didn't happen, all the little problems all of a sudden became... Much bigger because we weren't having that success, you know? Yeah. So, which led to the bust up of the band, of course, and then uh, having all that downtime to try and find a new singer and come up with the songs and finally getting Bite Down Hard mm-hmm. recorded and done was a huge, you know, relief for us that we, sure. you know, I mean we kind of had something to prove that we basically could do we could still do it without Dean, who basically wanted to just take every ounce of credit for the success that we had. Yeah, it was a big part of it, but it obviously was not all of it. You know, there was no respect for the band and what the individuals had done to make it what it was. And so for us to make a record with Tommy and his vocal capabilities, we could do stuff that we couldn't really do before, and everybody was getting along well and throwing in bits and pieces on the writing areas. And so, you know, that's more of a band record than we ever had with the first one. Okay. first album was just learn the songs, play them, and, and get it recorded, you know. Okay. But creating Bite Down Hard was always really like, a, a labor of love. Yeah. Shows on the recording.
1: Oh absolutely. I love that album. It's awesome. Every song's awesome.
2: Did you guys tour quite yeah. a bit for that yeah. album?
0: We did. We toured as much as we could. Uh it was really, really tough at that time because like I said, we lost a lot of momentum. The grunge mm-hmm. thing was rearing its head and uh we couldn't get on a tour. So we basically said, "Okay, we'll go out and do our own little club headlining tour, which had good audiences and we had great gigs. But it just felt like we were just like scratching up the wall trying to get somewhere. This wasn't happening. The record wasn't selling. There was no outlet. We had one video on MTV, which got shown like late at night on Headbangers Ball or something. There was no real commercial exposure of that we toured around the country a couple times in a van, shit out of you pretty good when you're used to driving on a tour bus (laughs) and going down from one level to the next. We weren't really prepared for that, you know, instead of sort of circling the wagons and getting our, our personal shit together, we just started really kind of irking each other. We were like, chewing at ourselves from the inside out yeah. we really couldn't withstand that pressure from the outside so right. eventually we we had to say there what else can we do you know we right. can't drive around in this van for another <laughs> 6 months you know what i mean right. so we just decided to take a break and the break kind of
1: just never sort of returned after that, you know, mm, until yeah. like a bunch of years later. I know you guys have reunited here and there, but have you guys thought yeah. about it? I mean, have you guys discussed it? I mean, cuz like a lot of that stuff is like coming back. Have yeah. you guys discussed
0: that? Um or? well, for me it's always been a case of like I don't know why we didn't do it sooner, you know. For that band, it was always a case of when Dean left, he really did not want anything to do with any of us or the band or Mm. the name even though he's the guy that basically came up with it all it was his name it was his concept it was his kind of dream thing and then in the end after like a year and a half he was tired of it and wanted to move on and do like like a different musical style and stuff and we were like dude This is working, man. You know, we have to stick together and do it. And he just didn't want to. He didn't Mm, want to do his own thing. So for us, it was more or less trying to fight that. When we talked about reunions, it was always like, well, people want to see the original band. And Dean Mm -hmm. didn't want to do it. So we always would come to that point and it was like, okay, immediately stop, you know? So if we can't do it with Dean, we'll do it with Tommy. Mm -hmm. So we reunited with Tommy. We did a live album. We did some shows hoping that it would uh, sort of get enough of a spark going that we could get a repetition or a routine going again where we could, you know, tour the country, even doing casinos Mm -hmm. or whatever. But I think we were a little bit early on that eventually ended up happening was um, that resurgence came of 80s metal festivals or, you know, Monsters of Rock crews and stuff like that. I mean, that didn't come until a few years later. So we were kind of um, a little bit screwed Mm -hmm. because we we couldn't do original band reunion because Dean just decided that every time it came up, he was like, no, I don't want to do it or So, you know, that's a shame because we lost a lot of time. Michael didn't want to tour as much because he was trying to build his teaching business. And every time he went on the road, he would lose students and stuff, And which I totally, I respect that. Mm, But it's like to break a band or to at least build a following, you have to like really just keep plodding away, you know. And we didn't do that at the time where it needed to be done. So... Even most recently, Billy's tried to reach through to Dean. Michael just resurfaced and has tried to reach out to Dean and get him to, uh, to finally come back and, and do it again for nostalgia for, for the fact that so many people didn't get, even get to see the original band. You know, it would be great, but here we are 30 some years later and it's like every day that goes by is like another year. Just right. the, the time is moving right. way too fast to, yeah, to sure wait any is. longer, you know? And yeah, and Dean still doesn't want to do it. So yeah. we have to just kind
1: of sit here and go like, what if? Man. I just gotta say, I don't yeah, know. I, I would travel a long distance <laughs> to see you guys for sure. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: man, it's it's a drag because uh, to me it would be fun, you know. But I mean, I guess for Dean it would just be reopening all those old wounds right. of whatever it was that that bothered him right. in the beginning, and who knows if he can even sing like that anymore. Right? You know? But he made it a point of being sort of reclusive, and even though if he Without any music mm. at all, you know, mm. it was a time where he was jumping around from different style to this and that, and kind of solo singer songwriter stuff, and then he just kind of like disappeared from all of it. If you're not really into creating and making music and and going out there, and I mean you're a musician. Some musicians, if they can't play they're not in an arena band they go down the street to the bar and they just play for people and just to get some feedback and to do their thing you know and something that i could never understand from a guy that was so motivated in the beginning to switch from drums to going out front to singing playing guitar and doing all that stuff and writing great songs and everything and then all of a sudden to just say you know what i don't want to do it anymore you know really strange. Yeah. So that's the unfortunate part about it is that while one guy doesn't want to do it, three others do. But, you know, then you have differences of opinion. You know, now you got Billy out there doing his version of the Mm -hmm. band, with nobody else involved. And just people get older and get stupid and they get greedy or whatever. And Mm -hmm. it's like, why does it have to be that way? It really doesn't, you know, to me, it's just like, it would be so much fun to play those songs that that was almost the motivation by itself, you know, but of course you can't exist without any income. So when there's little to no money, everybody starts to get crazy, but you just keep Pushing through it you know you get to that Point where maybe you start to make good money And then you have something Like all these other bands that are out there continuing to do it you know all of our peers that have lasted whether it's original lineups or with other people you kind of got to make the best of whatever situation you have
1: personally johnny you you were pretty fortunate you've been with doro since uh 1993 yeah that's correct you were fortunate on that. i mean that's awesome man so do you tour with Uh, her band yeah, absolutely. I mean,
0: right after that break that I mentioned with Brittany, that was around 92, late 92. And in 93, I got a call from the same guy that got me in the Wasted gig, my friend Jimmy Delella. And he had auditioned for Doro in, in New Jersey and got the gig and got me into the band. And that was in 93. And. Yeah, I started touring in Germany with her. I did a live album with her and the band a couple weeks after I joined the band, which was a really good live record. And uh, kind of coming to Europe opened me up to a whole different area of touring and stuff because all the 80s metal kind of died in America, but it was still going pretty good. Doro, obviously being from Germany, had a, still a good crowd and a, a good following going. So, mm-hmm. and she's really great to work with. Really sweet person and a very dedicated artist mm-hmm. in her own right. Okay. And um, yeah, I'm pretty much a hired gun in the band, but also at times I feel like a, a band member and, and family. Mm-hmm. We're like a family. That's awesome it's her name. It's her thing. And, and we respect that. And we just do whatever, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. needs to yeah. be done. But I mean, 30 years down the line, I'm living in Germany now, you know, okay. I have family here. It's kind of changed my whole life. It's actually been really awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, That's- yeah. We're pretty busy this year as well. She's got a new album out and, uh, just business as usual with yeah. her, you know, she's not good up anytime soon she's very very passionate about her fans and making music and going out and playing for people well you're busy
1: too i i just saw that uh, you joined I keto
0: that's correct as well yeah which is uh another really cool thing for me because i basically come back to where i started which was with wasted danny vaughn okay. and i were we the new guys in the band. We kind of learned the ropes together on that Maiden tour and stuff. We were two guys that had never been on an arena tour before mm-hmm. in a band with really kind of legendary rock guys, <sighs> yeah. you know. And then Michael Arbini from Taiketo just wanted to retire from live touring. He's got a, a business that he can't really be away from for mm-hmm. too long. Mm-hmm. And the band wanted to play more. He couldn't offer enough of his own time to keep the band out on tour more. So Danny reached out to me and I was like, you know what? That would be awesome, man. would love to play that stuff and yeah. play with you again. And great guys in the band, great music to play, you know, a little Mm -hmm. bit more melodic style than than the Doro stuff. So I can play with a couple different styles, you know, although it's still within the rock realm. I do miss that melodic rock stuff is what I kind of grew up on Mm -hmm. and started with. So yeah, we had a great year last year with Keto, did probably more gigs than they've ever done in a long time, and uh, Mm -hmm. this year's shaping up good as well. Unfortunately, there's no American tour yet, but I'm thinking we... We have a little bit of room to grow and,
1: and yeah. hopefully we'll get over to the States and, and we'll be looking for it, yeah for sure. Yeah. Uh, cool. I'm working on uh, opening a concert venue in our area. Oh, dude, that sounds great. I'm getting some investors, and uh, yeah, I'm meeting and trying to get grants, and uh, we already have a building, so I'm trying. So hopefully when you guys come this way, hopefully I can get you guys. Oh, man, that sounds great. I wish you luck with that. It's actually always
0: been sort of a dream of mine to have a music venue, but you know, like you said, you need all kinds of money and support (laughs) and a whole lot of stuff that when you're not in one place for longer than constantly moving around it's hard to get deals done and stuff like that you know
2: johnny who were some of the bands that you like to go on tour with
0: well we had the pleasure of being on poison's first headlining tour so Mm -hmm. that was super exciting for everybody those guys were cool. I mean, we were all from Pennsylvania for the most part, so there was like a camaraderie and a brotherhood, and they went out of their way to be really fair with us, pretty much said, you know, we're not going to screw over our opening acts, and we benefited very well from that. So um, that was a highlight, the mm-hmm. tour with the Poison guys, okay. and uh, uh, we did a tour with Rat, we did a tour with Joan Jett, we did... Alice Cooper in Europe was really cool. That was a big one for me. I mean, between Alice Cooper and Kiss, those were the first two things that really, like, as a kid, blew my mind, you know? So, this tour with the Coop was amazing. And we almost had a Kiss tour, but that fell through at the, at the last minute, so that was a real bummer, but I did get to a lot of uh, festival shows with them while being in Doro. So That was a a great thing, but um, yeah, it's always interesting to, to tour with other bands. But now it's mm-hmm. more of these festival gigs where you just right. kind of appear for a day or a weekend with all these other bands and mm-hmm. haven't been on any real long tour. Uh, we did a tour with Doro that was uh, we supported Motorhead for about 10 mm-hmm. shows, and that was awesome, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, you yeah. know, just right. really full-out rock and roll and, and getting to see Lemmy do his thing and Mickey D on drums and Phil yeah. Campbell's become a really close buddy of mine from that tour and stuff. Okay. So it's mingling with all these people that you're kind of fans of is, is right. super cool, yeah. you know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As a drummer, who are some of your main influences? Well, I would say from an early age, started out as...
0: Um, of course, Peter Chris. I was really into Ian Pace from Deep Purple. John Bonham, any day of the week. Definitely. All day long. Right. You know, that guy was just spectacular, man. Of the not so popular names, a guy named Barry Brandt from the band Angel yep. it was a huge, huge influence. I mean, I love that guy's playing and uh, one of my favorite bands, but. Mainly because I got to see them live, and a lot of people—they were a lesser-known band, but signed to Casablanca mm-hmm. during the Kiss years, and um, they did an amazing, amazing live show with like magic involved and all oh. kinds of really cool, cool stuff. And other drummers like, yeah, you know, Tommy Aldridge, of course, and Tommy Lee, and Tony Brock from the Babies, and Carmine and Vinnie apathy mm-hmm. and every band that i really loved had a great drummer you know i could yeah. sit here and list them all and have taken something from all of those mm-hmm. guys because that's sort of what i miss in music now is that individuality and that right. style mm-hmm. and sound so that each guy you, you could just put a record on and go shit you know that's that's so-and-so playing or mm, that right. you know, this guy. Now a lot of stuff sounds the same because of production mm-hmm. techniques and a lot of guys playing are kind of the same, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back then it was, man, so many different people from, from Simon Kirk, from Bad Company, for example, so simple, just rock solid and grooving to a guy like Neil Peart, another huge influence mm-hmm. on me. Yeah. Same just here. because of the, the technicality of, of his playing and the way that he would compose his drum part in songs. You know, all of a sudden it makes you think like, wow, that's cool. So he starts out with the closed hi-hat and then he opens it up in the chorus and then the next time it comes around he changes that fill like a little bit and it just mm-hmm. really makes you a better player by Absolutely. studying these guys. So, yeah, all those dudes, man, from the 70s and 80s. Okay. Love them all.
2: You got a few more questions here for you, Johnny. If you could open up for any band, who would it be? Well, probably
0: I would have to say Led Zeppelin because yeah. I never got to see them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. I
0: had tickets to see them on the In Through the Outdoor tour, and uh, Bonham died, and that was the biggest bummer. Mm. ever you know Mm -hmm, to miss that for some reason I just I mean I started going to concerts some years before that and always managed to miss Zeppelin for Mm. some reason I saw Aerosmith I saw all these other bands and and never got to see Zeppelin Mm. so I, I would definitely want to Open for them just so I could see them do their thing.
2: Right. Yeah. Now I did see Jimmy Page and Robert Plant together twice when they got together. When was that? Back in the late '90s. It was actually pretty cool.
0: Oh yeah, man. I saw that show as well. That was the next best thing to to seeing Zeppelin. You know, exactly. Because both of those guys are just mega. Anything Zeppelin is just the shit. You know. I I would agree. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Cool. So what are some of your most favorite 80s, maybe early 90s, hard rock, metal, hair bands? Well, there's so many. I just have to go down
0: my CD collection and and just point them all out to you. It would probably take me like an hour to do it. But um, if you go down the alphabet from Angel, Aerosmith, and Boston Bad Mm -hmm. Company, The cars. I mean, all this stuff that was going on in the 70s and 80s, into the 80s, when the 80s became, let's see, um, I don't know, everything, you know, Metallica, Iron Maiden, Priest, you know, the heavier stuff. I was never like super Satan metal dude, (laughs) you know. I love heavy music, you know, for me, melodic, uh, great riffs. But, man, I loved Priest. Uh, I still do, but I mean, I've really burned on a lot of priest records mm-hmm. in the basement and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, uh, Iron Maiden, number of the bees, getting the tour with Maiden back in the wasted days yeah. was, was That's just unbelievable. You know, yeah. the first tour I ever was on and those guys were super, super cool yeah, and awesome. super nice. And every time I see them, you know, I just saw Nico last summer and, uh, he was, just as nice as ever and brought me backstage and set me up with passes and all that. Yeah, and uh, That's so yeah, cool. Just really that's awesome. cool. Yeah. I mean, I love it all, man. Yeah. You know, White Snake, all that stuff. Heart. I love a lot of female fronted bands. A cool thing about playing with Duel, a different perspective on it wasn't all this kind of macho bullshit, cock rock. You know right. what I mean? I got to learn how to really play a little bit more on the sensitive side, you know? She would be like, oh, Johnny, you know, this is a ballad. You really have to, like, feel it, take it down. And before that, I was just playing the same way for every song. I mean, every Britney Fox song, it rocks. It's kind of like ACDC, Kiss, whatever. It's it's right. just rocking all the way through. But a lot of Doro tunes had a little bit more variety in them and stuff. So I always loved Heart. And a lot of the female fronted bands, Fleetwood Mac and stuff like okay. that, you know, it's really just brings a whole different trip into, into it. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So Johnny, what's next for you? Last question.
0: Well, Paiketo is going to Australia for a thing called Glam Fest, which is going to have nice. like bands like Slaughter and wow. a couple other bands on it, which is like three shows, traveling through australia brisbane sydney and melbourne and that's the first time for taiketo to even be going down there so that's real exciting it's yeah, only yeah. my second time ever going down yeah. there so i'm psyched about that and uh, in march that was about six or eight shows starting the new album live cycle so we'll be in in germany in march and then april might be south america and then May into September starts the summer festival season. And yeah. actually we'll be in Texas in March for mm-hmm. the American listeners. Anyone who wants to run down to Houston for a metal Fest, Dora will be uh, appearing at that. That's sometime in the middle of March. Sorry, I don't know the exact date. And then Dora will be at M3 festival yeah. this year. And uh, I'll be touring with both bands. Throughout the year, and also, yeah, hope to make a, a Tichetto album Heck yeah. sometime wow. in the awesome. near future. So you're a busy guy, and yeah, 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 <laughs> it's going
2: pretty good. Johnny, we appreciate yeah. it, man. Yeah. I mean, Thanks it's like a dream on. come true yeah. for me.
1: Seriously, man, I, I I love your music. I love everything you that's do. Awesome, and, uh, man. man.
2: He's been excited for a long cool, time here. Man.
1: Yeah,
2: <laughs> I yeah, that's awesome, man. Just keep
0: it alive. Yeah, absolutely. uh, Yeah, stay cool, be safe,
1: appreciate your time, and uh, get that venue going. Yes, I'm trying, my friend. I'm trying. Yeah, dude, good luck. Thank you.
2: We would like to thank all our listeners. Check us out on Spotify and Podbean and what Nikki Lane says.
1: If it's too loud, you're too old.
2: God bless, and we'll see you next time.
1: Keep rocking out there, everyone.
0: Thank you for listening to The Headbanger's Vault, bringing you the best in rock and metal music and music talk with your hosts, B1Bomb and The Smuts. Check us out on your social media pages, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you'd be interested in being a part of our show or advertising with us, please visit our webpage at headbangersvault.podbean.com. And remember,
1: if it's too loud, you're too old.